0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. You can find the show at SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand or subscribe to the show by going on to Apple Podcasts, searching the Hangout in the Holy Land, and be sure to rate and review and find all of the future episodes there. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you from Boulder, Colorado on November 8, and Seventeen, I want to welcome you all into the show today. We got a lot to break down about Ohio State football and other happenings around the Buckeyes athletic universe. So to do that, I am joined by my buddy and co-host Matt Brown. Matt, the last time we talked, we both said we did not see Iowa scoring more than
1: 20 points. That didn't happen. Um, I don't really want to spend a whole lot more time <laughs> talking about, about this game, but I definitely ate a lot of crow over the last couple of days, and, and very justifiably so, I think. I don't think I talked too much trash, but that game played out in a way that I completely did not expect, that most analysts did not expect, and if you're an off chance, an Iowa fan listening to this and would like to take the opportunity to dunk on me further, go, go ahead. You, the, the woodshed moments don't happen very often for the Hawkeyes. By all means, take, your tan- take this time to dance on my grave, because Lord knows I deserve it.
0: Yeah, we're, t- we're wrong about sports all the time on this podcast, and we're certainly going to probably say some stupid stuff about Michigan State, but other than that, how you
1: doing? you got a lot going on. Uh, I, I, do, I do have a lot going on. So there's, I, there's actually a couple of things I'd like to talk with you all about. I, I do want to talk about Michigan State football with you, but I have an announcement, and then I have a story that I'd like to share. So I want to I I just start here with this, friends, talked about this in this podcast a little bit, but I am coming to Columbus and I'd love to hang out with you. Um, I will be in uh, the beautiful capital city of Ohio um, doing a book signing on November 17th at the Book Loft. That's uh, in German Village. It's it's the best bookstore in Central Ohio. It's might be the best bookstore in the state. It's beautiful. You should go uh, if if you're in the area, just generally. But I'll be there at seven o'clock uh, Friday, the seventeenth to sign some copies of my book, What If, A Closer Look at College Football's Great Questions, and also just to hang out with a bunch of land-grant people. Um, And I expect that when that event ends, which should be around 8, 8.30, depending on how many people show up, uh, we'll go get beverages somewhere nearby, either German Village or maybe the downtown area. So uh, if you're you're in Columbus, you're in central Ohio, you want to stop by and say hi, uh, please do. That that would be be great. Uh, If you are in New York City, which I think we have a couple of followers. You also have a chance to come hang out with me. I will be in Manhattan on Tuesday, the 14th. I'm doing a book signing with our friends, the uh, the Ohio State Alumni Club in New York City. Um, it, that's uh, more more of a mixer. There will be cocktails. We'll be talking about publishing and media and old timey college football and whatever else you guys want to talk about. Um, the address and the details for that are we'll, we'll link to that here on the post. Um, but that's free. And if you're if you're an, if you're a member of the New York City Alumni Club or you're in the area, uh, come by and hang out. And I'm hopeful that there will be other events uh, across the Midwest and East Coast later in the next couple of months. Uh, if that's something that you'd like to that you'd like to be a part of, because I'd love to come uh, hang out with you guys instead of just talking on Twitter and talking at you. On the podcast, so that, I'm really, I'm I'm really excited about that. I haven't, I haven't been to Ohio in a, in a little while. I've actually never covered a game in Ohio Stadium. I've only I've covered lots of Ohio State games. Have always been on the road. I Haven't been back to campus in a little, little while. It's, I'm I'm really excited about it. It might, it might even be a little bit little bit of an emotional experience.
0: Yeah, if you're in the Ohio area, wherever you are in the state of Ohio, make sure to uh, to go visit Matt when he comes through. He's a very kind, nice, and disease
1: free gentleman. All right, uh, as of right now. I can't promise a disease-free thing because daycare <laughs> is, is a perennial cesspool <laughs> of germs. But right now, I'm bathing in Purell. Um, I, I, I'll have a haircut, I'll shave, and everything will be fun. Um, I want to very quickly just tell a story. And then we can get in and we can we can break down this football game ahead. And I, I, pro- I swear I'm not telling the story as a humble brag. I'm not saying the story to make me look good. Uh, it's, it's a story that, uh, I, I, I think kind of bring you know bring, brings home the importance of, of being an Ohio State fan or what being an Ohio State fan means. Um, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got an email from uh, a person who I had not met, uh, who had been a, who was a Land Grant and SB Nation reader, and she was telling me that her husband is a successful attorney. Um, in the, in the Washington, D.C. area, and she was struggling to figure out what to get him for his birthday. You know, these are not problems that I experience and, and probably not ones that, that uh, a, lot of our, a lot of our writers do. When you achieve a certain level of affluence, it's, I guess it's harder to shop for you if you already have stuff, right? So she was trying to think of a creative birthday gift for the, this gentleman. Now, this, this, this gentleman is from the Cleveland area. He's a big Ohio State fan, although he uh, did not attend the university. And she suggested that for his birthday present, uh, I just go take him out to lunch, and we talk about Ohio State football or Ohio things uh, for an hour, um, which is, one, extremely flattering and a, 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 maybe a little bit strange that somebody <laughs> would think that a birthday gift would involve hanging out with me, um, but I, sure, I, I accept it. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that this person's not an axe murderer in um, the most elaborate, weird catfish ever, um, if, if that is, you know... You, you got me. Um, and, and, and I went earlier uh, today, and we talked about the 1980s Cleveland Cavaliers, and we talked about the John Cooper era. We talked about high school wrestling in the state of Ohio, and it was lovely. And I had a steak, and I had crab meat. And, buddy, I have not had those things in, like, four <laughs> years, right? I am on the chicken nugget diet right now, my dude. So I'm coming in here. I had, I had um, a, a, a fancy person's lunch. I talked about a bunch of weird Ohio State history. I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling great. Like I, I, I've almost expunged all the terrible things that happened last weekend out of my system.
0: Well, if there's one thing we can all be certain of, it's that nothing brings humans closer together than lobster, Mark Price, and underachieving <laughs> Ohio State football teams.
1: Right? Right? I, I, exactly. You know, most most of the time when you talk about Craig Elo, it's 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 a bummer. But if you do it fancy seafood that you don't get to eat very often because you grew up a son of the Midwest and you learn not to trust seafood unless it came from a tuna fish can, uh, then then it's kind of a fun experience. So, I, uh, yeah, sorry, I, did, I didn't mean to brag right at things. Just like things, like this <laughs> don't, things, things like this don't happen to me. So it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing.
0: No, that's, I think that that's a great story. And uh, I, I think that, you know, somebody that didn't attend Ohio State either – but has family that did and doesn't spend a lot of time in Ohio. I can say that living out in in Colorado, and I'm sure this is true with a lot of other bigger schools as well, but whenever I wear my Ohio State stuff out in public when I'm in Denver or in Boulder, you know, it's hard to go a couple hours walking around without seeing somebody connected to the university in some way and that really is what being an Ohio State fan is all about is not just those family relationships but just having those random encounters like that where you see somebody at a bar and you get a drink with them or whatever it may be and I think that that's a that's low-key one of the most special things about rooting for Ohio State and even though the fan base is so big in the pool of bad fans is a little more more prevalent yeah. also that that means that the the pool of good fans is uh is more prevalent as well and i think that uh, I'd be interested to hear from our our listeners, and you can send us a tweet at landgrant 33, or at Matt SBN, or at DubsCo If you've had any similar experiences, because I know maybe not to to that extent that you just did, but I, I've definitely had some cool moments with people I didn't know just because I was wearing Ohio State stuff, or they saw me say something about Ohio State.
1: It's one of the really great things about college football, and I think it's especially true for enormous land Grant universities like like Ohio State, and it's it's one it's I think it's it's. The probably the single biggest reason why I still am an Ohio State fan at this point, still care about college football emotionally, because uh, it's it, it's a it's a manifestation of regional pride. It's a connection. To where you grew up, and and that big family, you know, it's why I made a, a point when I when I went, I went back to Columbus in a couple of weeks to go do some events at Ohio State and like work with work with students and everything. And why it's it's fun to you know I still give OHS to, to people that I see out in public here, or in Ohio Ohio stuff because you you know you have that background that connection with people, and in an increasingly fragmented world, uh, those connections are harder to find. So I I I, I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I, I hope that if you're an Ohio State fan and you end up out of state or, or overseas or not in other places that you're you're able to have some experiences like that. It's, you know, screaming go Bucks" at a stranger is a fun thing. Moving from
0: things that are good about college football to things that are bad about college football, uh, that's Ohio State's annual game with Michigan State. Oh, this is going to
1: suck so much.
0: It's it's going to be terrible no matter what happens. Um, looking back at the history, and this is something we referenced on Uh, the Iowa recap podcast and something that you guys are probably going to hear a lot of in columns and other podcasts and just general talk about this game is the fact that, a home team hasn't won in this series since 2007, since Ohio State won that game 24-17. to And I don't think we need to bring up anything that's happened since, what, 2011 and some of the games Ohio State has played against the Spartans, other than really that, uh, that 2014 game, which was a watershed moment. But man, th- this game sucks. I-, I hate this series so much.
1: <laughs> I am learning to hate it. Um, It it wasn't something, you know, the 1998 game notwithstanding, right, like the formative years of my college football fandom, it wasn't a game that thought about all of that much or, like, inspired a whole lot of hatred, right? Like, from the mid-90s until, like, 2012, uh, Michigan State only beat like a good Ohio State team really once. It was the 98 game. that they, they, they won a 99-2, and there was the abort, just abortion of a football game, the 10-7 in 2011 when that, when that team was, was garbage. Uh, I don't think anybody was really too emotionally broken up over that. But really, like every game since then has been really close with, I guess, one exception 2014 when it, when it got a little bit less close near the end. And even when Michigan State has been bad, They they've they've played the Buckeyes very closely. And and the performance of Michigan State this year, I think, is one of the big surprises of college football. Like, I know I talked about this with you, and I talked about it with a lot of my colleagues. And in my opinion, I I don't think was really out of line compared to a lot of college football analysts. It's like, we thought Michigan State was going to suck this year. And there were a lot of reasons to think that. It's a really young and experienced team. They lost some of their best recruits and and highest potential playmakers over the offseason with with a a bunch of off-the-field incidents. They were were really bad the year before, and there were, I think, some legitimate questions about the culture of this team and some big questions about their defense, which had low-key been pretty bad uh, the year before uh, from a team that was supposed to be more experienced and and more competitive. Uh, And... um, that hasn't been the case at all, really, this year. I, they've um, they're a top twenty-five team in, in S and P Plus. They're, they're probably going to finish at worst um, eight and four. And why they haven't always looked particularly impressive? They they have a great record in, in really close, ugly games. Basically, every Big Ten game they've played could have gone either way, and that's true for both the you know the wins over really good teams like Michigan and Penn State, and the wins over other teams that are played like Minnesota and Indiana. Uh, and that's, I, I think a testament of good coaching and maybe some fortuitous luck, but it's, 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 it's so bizarre. And and now, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have a, a tough game here at Ohio state. They, they're going to have two games. They're going to be heavily favored. Uh, it's a big win. I mean, a, a big win for them to be where they are this year, despite you looking at this on paper, none of it really seeming to make any sense.
0: Yeah. And if you delve into what Michigan state's team actually is this season, It appears to be your, I guess, pre the last couple of seasons teams that you would think that under Mark D'Antonio would field with an offense that, by S and P standards, isn't very good. They're 89th in S and P Plus, and they have a top 10 defense. But when you look at the offense, you would think, okay, if they're going to be just good enough, they're probably going to run the ball really well. And that's not the case this season. They have been pretty dreadful running. I know that I've been really kind of perplexed watching LJ Scott I don't know if it's the offensive line or their run schemes whatever it may be LJ Scott looks like he moves in slow motion when he whenever he runs the ball and that isn't what you would expect after the freshman season he had a couple of years ago but like they really can pass Michigan State is third in passing S&P plus like I I don't know what that's about at all Brian Lewerke's thrown for like 800 yards the last couple of weeks combined and so Michigan State is really being carried by their passing off Offense and they're not very explosive, but they're very efficient. And as we saw from Iowa's offense, which came into last week's game kind of the same way very efficient, not explosive. They were able to have basically whatever they wanted, whether it was efficiency or explosiveness against the Ohio State uh, passing defense in the secondary. So uh, I, I don't really know what to think about this game when you look at it from Michigan State's offense versus Ohio State's defense after how bad Ohio State's back seven looked last week.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm with you completely. It, this is a team that looks a lot like Iowa. It looks a lot like Iowa with maybe a running back that's not quite as good. You know, LJ Scott's kind of had a really weird career. He was a big-time recruit. He was somebody that, that it was kind of controversial that Ohio State didn't end up going after him more. And, and I think problems with their offensive line have been problems with fumbling, have kind of derailed what looked like it could be a really promising career. I mean, like, he's not, it's not like he sucks, um, but um, he hasn't really been what Michigan State expected. But their passing game has been way more efficient uh, th- than you thought. And I think some of their young, their young wide receivers are are getting better, and that's, that's, that's terrifying. Like, Hunter Rison had a really big game against Penn State. Cody White has, has, played, has played well this season. Felton Davis has played well. And most of these guys are freshmen and sophomores. Um, yeah, and that's with Donnie Corley
0: being kicked off the team. Yeah. It, who, who was their guy as a freshman last season.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And on standard downs, this defense has been elite. Uh, and that's not what, what you expected here. So, you know, looking at this, I'm looking – you know, I've seen Michigan State play. I'm looking at the same spreadsheet you are. And, you know – it seems like there would be a similar path to victory, like you would expect over a team like Iowa. And Ohio State was favored by 20 points, and it's, and like that wasn't ridiculous. You know, there's there there is the, a, a similar mismatch between Ohio State's pass rush, especially in third, in passing down situations, and their offensive line. You have a running game that's not very good at uh, at winning in short yardage situations. You have uh, an inexperienced offensive skill position core that is it can be prone to, to making mistakes against a, um, a a defense that that's very capable of, of forcing havoc. So you look at all those things and think, okay, Michigan State's probably going to struggle to score. Ohio State's going to you know can rediscover their running game a little bit. J.T. Barrett can't possibly play as poorly as he did last week, and the Buckeyes should win by 14. All of that makes sense, um, but. It's hard for me to juxtapose all of that with what I saw last week, and the weird magic here. It's, it sounds ridiculous to, to say this out loud, but I think the weather's going to play an impact here because I don't think it's a coincidence that Michigan State's two biggest wins have come during torrential rainstorms.
0: No, not at all.
1: Um, do you know if it's planning if it's supposed to be sunny in Columbus this weekend?
0: I haven't looked at the at the forecast yet, but like it, for me. This game and the history of this game and how whatever Mark D'Antonio and his staff do to prepare for what Urban Meyer and whoever his offensive coordinator or offensive staff at the time are, they just kind of seem to have their numbers. So I I would expect before we talk about actual predictions, like no matter what, there's no way, at least from an Ohio State perspective, that they're going to win this game, I think, by more than seven to ten points because Michigan State just plays them. So tough and like the the one key to the game for me, the first key to this game is Ohio State's fallen behind in like the first 10 seconds of their last two games and for as bad as the defense played last week and played at times against Penn State. That was without them giving up a point. So, like whether Ohio State starts with the ball or they play defense, like let's not give up a touchdown in the first 15 seconds of this week's game. That would be tangible progress <laughs> for this team right now w- and where they're at. So, uh, I'm looking at an early start for Ohio State of just you know not giving up a kick return for a touchdown, not throwing a pick six, or not giving up an 80-yard runner a touchdown. And we saw Michigan State have like a 60-yard run in uh, in last year's game at the beginning from L.J. Scott. So if they can avoid that. Uh, early really bad start I think that that'll be a huge key
1: the other thing that we can't quantify with math and film that I I think could go either way here is I don't know what Ohio State's mental state is going to be right this is this is a team that coming into this year expected to be in the competition for a playoff spot and was still in the national title conversation last week and this is the first time in like five years where it's now early November and the Buckeyes are not in the national title conversation. There's still, I think, big things to play for. Ohio State basically wraps up the division if they beat Michigan State. I think they'd clinch it if they beat Michigan State and Illinois. They can still win the Big Ten outright. They can still go to a New Year's Six Bowl. They can still finish the season in the top five. They can still build a lot of momentum for a, a potential run in the title next year. But, and, and obviously, there's there's still these two games against Michigan squads and the illustrious Illy Buck uh, to play for. But... Uh, you'd never know how teams are going to respond to just getting completely stomped in the dick like that and having your, um, your, your playoff aspirations and all of these goals go up in smoke. And so it, it, it is possible that we come out there and we see an Ohio State team that is angry of farting around with this team for five years and wants to establish itself as the clear best team in this conference, which I think that they are, and they could win by 20 because the talent disparity is there and uh, and the high-level explosive plays are there. We could have a team that is demoralized and whose young players are not accustomed to dealing with this kind of disappointment, and you're playing probably the worst team in the Big Ten to face uh, you know, against a team that absolutely thrives on chaos and disrespect, and you could lose an ugly, stupid game by 12, and the season could completely unravel. Basically, the entire rich tapestry of outcomes in this game, I think, are on the table, and that's what makes it kind of unsettling. I I think Ohio State's probably going to win by 10, but anything I think is possible from OSU loses by 17 to OSU wins by 30 are all, you you could could talk me into them happening.
0: When has Ohio State played such a make-or-break game? Like, when's the last time to this level? Because I really can't. Remember, none of these seasons under Urban Meyer have ever really felt like, oh man, if they lose this one, things are going to go really sour. Because they've always had just one loss, or they they lost in a bowl game to make it two losses. So I think that this is really the first game since he's been the head coach where it feels like, like you're saying... Man, if they, if they lose this game, like things could go bad. You still have to play on the road at Michigan. And if you have a team that's disinterested are, already, how interested are they going to be in playing in the Gator Bowl or the Outback Bowl or, or whatever you know middling Florida Bowl they have to travel to and play before half the team decides to declare for the draft? And on the flip side, if you win, it's okay. You know, We, we have to play Illinois. We can basically lock up the Big Ten, and then we go on the road at Michigan to play, possibly to still be in that, you know, new Year's six day discussion and, and win the big 10 title. So I, I think that this is really the first game since he's been the head coach that uh, it's either make or break that the season's either going to trend upward after the Iowa loss or, or if they lose this one, it's going to go off the rails because if they lose, I don't think there's a chance in hell that they're going to beat
1: Michigan in two weeks. Yeah, the 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 one I could think of I, it would be 2014 Michigan State, incidentally enough, which determined yeah. whether Ohio State was going to be on a trajectory to compete for a playoff spot um, or go full rebuild. Um, that's a and, good point. And, that's when we, and that incidentally enough is when we saw, other than the Penn State game uh, two weeks ago, was J T Barrett's finest moment. That's you know that and and the the most explosive highest level Ohio state passing offense and you know, dropped 49 points on a really great defense and, and was, a, uh, you know, that, that game got them to the playoff. So it's all, it's all, it's all on the table. I get, I'm, I'm getting nervous just thinking about it. Um, what else are you looking forward to this week? You know, be, beyond the either coronation or uh, potential collapse of Ohio state football as you, as we know it.
0: Oh gosh. I, I think that there, are a, there's more than a couple of ranked matchups, but, um, Notre Dame-Miami is one of those games that, between two top 10 teams, Notre Dame third right now, Miami seventh, where... And probably not a lot of people that don't root for either of those teams really hate both of them, and that's one where I think you can just sit back and just kind of relax unless you hate one more than the other and just think like, okay, either Notre Dame's getting knocked out of the playoff or Miami's getting their first loss, they'll probably lose another one. So it's really kind of a win-win no matter who loses in that game. And then, of course, TCU-Oklahoma, which I think has huge implications for the Big 12 because if OU loses this game – they're pretty much out, and TCU, I think, is destined for another loss as well. So I think the Big is still holding on by a thread right now, and that game's going to decide a lot. And if OU's able to win, I don't really foresee them losing the rest of the way out and think that they can make the playoff.
1: It's such a weird thing with the way the playoff might break this year where multiple power conferences might end up without a bid. You know, It seems pretty likely uh, if George is able to knock off Auburn it was going to be a huge game with the SEC could get two teams, which should be weird. Cause yeah. really like they have two really good teams. The rest of that conference is, but, um, and the big 12 has like probably five good teams and could potentially not have any of them. Like, remember this might be a rematch of a potential big 12 championship game, uh, which could just knock both these teams right out of the playoff. Like that's, that's going to be the, the night shift is really fascinating. I'm also excited about the three thirty. Like the, the one nice thing about Ohio state, Michigan state is that it's going to be out of the way quickly. Um, so new it's a noon kick and and whether That's the best thing about this game. Yeah. So we <laughs> you know, we can either you know rinse rinse it out of our mouths and then go on with the rest of our day or or breathe a sigh of relief and get all how to stay back into the top ten. Like the 330 shift has three fascinating games you got georgia auburn one versus ten the the game that's going to determine if the sec gets two teams and in the championship or not you've got iowa wisconsin so we can get an idea of really how good iowa is and we'll find that the big ten is going to get a team in the in the playoff because if wisconsin is not undefeated it's not happening i don't think i mean you have florida state clemson which is sneaky because like florida state sucks and they're bad enough that they've had to reschedule a game with ULM just to try to, con- to keep their, their bull streak alive. I think this is a program where you're going to see massive assistant coach turnover, and it would not be completely shocking if Jimbo Fisher ends up taking another job. Even He's not going to get fired because his buyout is like $40 million. Um, but they could still beat Clemson, <laughs> um, which would be funny. And also wreck playoffs. There's there, This is a very emotional Game where even though Florida State's season has been de facto over for a month, I think they're going to get up for this game. So prepare to do a lot of shifting in the mid-afternoon. There's going to be two primetime games that are worthy of you being on your couch at night. There's going to be just an ugly, horrific, stressful Ohio State game in the morning. Sounds like a good college football Saturday to me.
0: Yeah, it's basically Ohio State-Michigan State is like an early morning trip to the dentist. So just treat yourself to college football afterwards. Also, if we're going to talk about conferences that may get left out of the playoffs and games to watch, Friday night, uh, 1030 Eastern time. Washington goes on the road to Stanford. Stanford's offense, for the most part, hasn't been very good, but it it looks like Bryce Love is going to play, and he's going to be relatively healthy, and these are still games that I don't trust Washington to win, and if they lose this game with two losses at that point, I don't really know what their strongest win would be so i think that that's one to watch out for as well
1: i think really the title of this podcast is basically how d'antonio michigan state squads are a trip to the dentist I i think i think that sums up this experience perfectly um I'm glad Washington and Stanford are playing also so it will give me something else going on, so I absolutely will not watch BYU play. They're <laughs> awful. They're playing another awful team. Maybe, maybe you know, you and might be able to just back their way into a bowl game, which, as stupid as that sounds, actually helps Ohio State's playoff profile. So we got all that going on here. I actually have to run because I have a meeting coming up here in a little bit, but... Um, Thanks. So, yeah, this, this, this was fun. I hope to see some of you guys um, out at a couple book signings next week in Manhattan and in Columbus. We're trying to set one up right now in Cleveland. There will be one in Washington, D.C. in January. There will probably be one in Chicago in December. And I'm working on potentially going to either the South or Salt Lake City uh, in 2018. So if, if you would like me to come, uh, hang out with you guys, talk to your local indie bookstore, talk to your library, um, I'm not a hard guy to get a hold of. We'll see if you can work something out.
0: Yeah, make sure to check out Matt when he visits Ohio as well as when he visits New York City. Like he said, we'll have information about that in the post. Also, be sure to go to LandGrantHolyLand.com to find all the best coverage of Ohio State on the internet. And check out this show at SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand and subscribe by going onto Apple Podcasts and searching the hangout in the holy land hope you guys enjoyed the show today we want to thank you for listening and for matt brown i'm colton denning this is the hangout in the holy land and go bucks